What is Franciscan spirituality? The Franciscans are a mendicant group or order which originated within the Roman Catholic Church and was founded by St. Francis of Assisi on February 24, 1209. The Franciscan Order is one of the four great mendicant orders of the Church. And its members strive to cultivate the ideals of poverty and charity. The Franciscan movement has grown outside the Roman Church with Old Catholic and Independent Catholic Orders, Lutheran and Anglican Orders, Protestant Orders, and even ecumenical and secular orders who all share the same foundation principles that include service, humility, peacemaking, contemplation, and collegiality, the global Franciscan community, both lay and religious recognizes the heritage and traditions offered by Franciscans throughout the centuries, all of whom represent the diverse ways of living out the charism, while Franciscan theology can refer to a wide range of principles. Franciscan spirituality generally aligns with the teachings of St. Francis and St. Clare of Assisi. Generally speaking, while some theologies focus on the Christ coming to save the world for our sins, Franciscans emphasize the love of God, and fleshed in Christ, as the center of reality. The expression of Franciscanism varies widely, but all Franciscans uphold the same values of their charism or spiritual gift, charity, selflessness, kindness, humility, asceticism, and a love of all creation. The Franciscan motto, which is universal to all Franciscans is Pax I Bonum, which means peace and all good. The Franciscan global view emphasizes the dignity of the human person, the goodness of all creation, the responsibility to care for all creatures as our sisters and brothers, and the importance of gratitude for all creation as gift from a loving and generous God. Franciscan spirituality motivates a way of following Christ that is based on the Gospels, it's more about following his teachings and living in accordance with his laws. Franciscans do not believe in living lavishly while other Christians live in poverty and misery. It's about simple living within the secular world. They are out in the secular world, side by side the secular community, and their mission is service to the poor and marginalized, affirmation of the unique worth of each person, appreciation for beauty, reverence for all creation and faith in a personal and provident God, the spirit of the Franciscan tradition is done with one of joy, gratitude while caring for the forgotten, the poor and the outcasts. The lives of the brothers and sisters through their works witness the transforming power of God's love in human lives and to the wondrous capacity of worth in every person, Franciscan spirituality hinges on the union of action and contemplation. And Franciscans walk the talk accordingly, prayer leads to work and ministry, work and ministry bring us back to prayer, contemplation is the momentum and propulsion for the mission, Franciscan spirituality understands authority and obedience in terms of mutual service. Not submission or domination, Franciscans are not dedicated to any specific tasks and can do virtually any work as long as it is in keeping with the Christian gospel and incorporates the spirit of Saint Francis, living as witnesses to the gospel is at the very core of Franciscan spirituality. If this sounds inviting I urge you to explore any number of Franciscan orders and communities to see which is the best fit for you, may the good Lord bear witness in your life, Pax I Bonum. Peace and all good. Give me that old time religion, give me that old time religion, give me that old time religion, it's good enough for me. Give me that old time religion, give me that.
me. It was good for the Hebrew children. It was good for the Hebrew children. It was good for the Hebrew children. And it's good enough for me. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. It's good enough for me. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. It will do when the world's on fire. It will do when the world's on fire. It will do when the world's on fire. And it's good enough for me. Give me that What the hell? The church teaches that there is a possibility of eternal damnation in hell for those who have committed mortal sin and have not repented before death. The word hell is used in some English translations of the Bible. However, it is important to note that the original Hebrew and Greek texts of the Bible do not use the word hell as we understand it today. Instead, the original texts use a variety of words and phrases to describe the afterlife, such as Sheol, Hebrew, Hades, Greek, Gehenna, Greek, and Tartarus, Greek. These words have various meanings and interpretations, and their exact meanings are often debated among scholars and theologians. The use of the word hell in translations of the Bible are a reflection of the translator's interpretation of these original texts. Sheol is a Hebrew word used in the Old Testament to refer to the realm of the dead or the afterlife. It is often translated as grave or pit in English translations of the Bible. However, the exact meaning of Sheol is debated among scholars and theologians, as it is not clear whether it refers to a physical place or a spiritual state. Some interpret Sheol as a place of punishment or torment, similar to the concept of hell in Christian theology while others see it as a neutral place where all souls go after death, regardless of their moral standing. The exact meaning and interpretation of Sheol continues to be the subject of ongoing debate and discussion among scholars and theologians. Hades is a Greek word used in the New Testament to refer to the realm of the dead or the afterlife. It is often translated as hell in English translations of the Bible. Hades is similar to Sheol in the Old Testament but with some differences in meaning and connotation. In Greek mythology, Hades was the god of the underworld, and the word Hades was used to refer to both the god and the realm over which he ruled. In the New Testament, Hades is typically portrayed as a place of punishment or torment for the wicked, similar to the concept of hell in Christian theology. However, there is also debate among scholars and theologians about the precise meaning and interpretation of Hades and how it relates to other concepts like Sheol and Gehenna. Gehenna is a term used in the New Testament of the Bible to refer to a place of punishment or torment. It too is often translated as hell in English translations of the Bible. The term comes from the Hebrew word Gehenim, which was a valley near Jerusalem where garbage and refuse were burned. In Jewish tradition, the Valley of Gehenna came to be associated with punishment and judgment, and the term was used to refer to a place of eternal punishment for the wicked. 
In the New Testament, Jesus uses the term Gehenna to warn of the consequences of sin and the need for repentance. The concept of Gehenna is similar to that of Hades, but with a stronger emphasis on punishment and judgment. Tartarus is not a term that appears in the original translations of the Bible. It is a term from Greek mythology that refers to a deep, dark abyss or dungeon, where the Titans were imprisoned after their defeat by the Olympian gods. In later Roman mythology, Tartarus came to be associated with the underworld, a place of punishment for the wicked. However, some early Christian writers, such as Peter and Jude, used the term Tartarus in reference to a place of punishment for fallen angels or demons. This usage is not considered biblical, but rather a borrowing from Greek mythology. In the original Greek texts, Jesus used the word Gehenna, often translated as hell in the Bible. The term hell is used in the New Testament to refer to a place of punishment for the unrighteous after being deaf. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 22, Jesus warns that those who call their brother a fool will be in danger of hell fire. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus says, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 33, Jesus calls the Pharisees snakes and brood of vipers and asks them, How will you escape being condemned to hell? The Greek word for hell that Jesus used in these passages is Gehenna, which refers to a valley outside of Jerusalem where garbage was burned and where, according to Jewish tradition, child sacrifices had been made in the past. Jesus used this term to illustrate the idea of a place of punishment where the unrighteous would be destroyed. So where does purgatory come from? The concept of purgatory is not explicitly mentioned in the Bible, nor is it a part of Jewish belief. The concept of purgatory is primarily a Catholic doctrine that developed in the Middle Ages. The idea of purgatory is based on the belief that some souls, after death, are not yet fully purified and are in need of further purification before they can enter into heaven. Purgatory is seen as a place or a state of being where these souls undergo this purification process. The Catholic Church teaches that prayers and good works can help speed up the purification process for these souls in purgatory. However, the concept of purgatory is not accepted by all Christians, and it is not a part of the beliefs of Protestant denominations. In summary, the concept of purgatory is not found in the Bible or in Jewish belief, but it is a part of Catholic doctrine that developed in the Middle Ages. The doctrine of purgatory was not officially defined by the Catholic Church until the councils of Florence and Trent in the 15th and 16th centuries, respectively. However, the idea of purgatory had been developing in Christian thought for centuries prior to this, and was widely accepted by the medieval church. Some early church fathers also wrote about a process of purification after death, which later became associated with the concept of purgatory. The concept of heaven is described as a state of eternal happiness, where the soul experiences perfect union with God and the joy of being in the presence of saints and angels. According to Catholic teaching, both the body and soul will be reunited and enter into heaven after the final judgment. The Catholic Church teaches that upon death, the soul of the faithful undergoes a particular judgment. This judgment determines whether the soul is immediately admitted into heaven or if it needs to undergo purification in purgatory before entering into heaven. 
The Catechism of the Catholic Church explains that each man receives his eternal retribution in his immortal soul at the very moment of his death, in a particular judgment that refers his life to Christ, either entrance into the blessedness of heaven, through a purification or immediately, or immediate and everlasting damnation. As per the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1022. Therefore, while it is possible for a person to go directly to heaven after death, it is not guaranteed. And the Church believes that some souls may need to undergo purification before they are ready to enter heaven. Catholics believe that Christ will judge all the living and the dead, and the faithful will be rewarded with eternal life in heaven, while the unfaithful will be punished with eternal damnation in hell. According to Catholicism, the way to get into heaven is through living a life of faith, love, and good works. Catholics believe that salvation is achieved through faith in Jesus the Christ, and that faith must be accompanied by good works. Catholics believe that the sacraments, such as baptism, confession, and receiving the Eucharist, are essential for salvation. Catholics also believe in the importance of following the Ten Commandments and living a moral life, as well as performing acts of charity and service to others. In addition, Catholics believe that the process of purgatory can help to purify the soul before entering into heaven. Catholics pray for the souls of the deceased, hoping that they will be granted mercy and enter into heaven. Overall, Catholics believe that entering into heaven is a combination of faith, good works, and the mercy of God. This is Father Chris, reminding each of us to act justly, love with mercy, and walk humbly with God. Give me that old-time religion. Old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. It's good enough for me. Give me that old-time religion. Old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. It's good enough for me. It was good for the Hebrew children. It was good for the Hebrew children. It was good for the Hebrew children. And it's good enough for me. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. It's good enough for me. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. It will do when the world's on fire. It will do when the world's on fire. It will do when the world's on fire. And it's good enough for me. Give me that old time. Some woke is a dirty four-letter word. This is a foul word to the greedy, the elite, the self-centered, and the self-absorbed. But that's not true at all. Jesus was woke. Woke means to be. Awaken to the needs of others. To be well-informed. Thoughtful. Compassionate. 
humble, and kind. Woke means to be eager to make the world a better place for all people. Live life according to the teachings of Jesus. Awaken your soul. Be woke and exemplify what it means to be a true follower of Christ. This is a public service announcement from the Independent Catholic Podcast and the In His Holy Name Ministry.